Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 50-pound carp tied to the side. It was a pretty good workout in the back of the dock. Went in behind a little birch tree and see it. I reached down and got the bow positioned and found its horns and dropped down and shot it in the neck. Get ready. Get ready. There you go. Nice shot. Nice shot. West Virginia's only outdoor radio show. Proudly presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails. With over 600 miles of ATV trails located in the rich mountains of southern West Virginia. And now, here's West Virginia's voice of the outdoors, Chris Lawrence. Here we are another Saturday morning talking hunting and fishing in the great mountain state. And we're glad to have you along wherever you might be listening in this morning. Hopefully you're uh, underneath something because it was uh, raining Buicks when I got out of the car this morning to come into the come into the radio station to do the show. It's one of those mornings where you, I, I woke up, <laughs> you can hear that rain banging on the roof, and you're thinking, "Oh man, I really do not want to throw the covers off and get out into this." But nevertheless, here we are this morning, and uh, how many how many times have you had a fishing trip planned and you and you hear that and you're like. Oh boy, how bad, you know, you really got to want it bad to get out of bed and to step out into that to, to catch a fish. I've done it many times and we'll do it many times more, but there's always that little thought in your head like, boy, this is mighty comfortable and that's not going to be. So, <laughs> but I made it in this morning. Our producer Ryan Nicholson made it in, uh, Nichols made it in this morning. He's, uh, he's high and dry on the other side of the glass, keeping us on the air this morning. Uh, coming up over the course of the ne- next hour, we are excited that uh, the Hatfield-McCoy Trail is going to refire their engine and get started again next week after being down for a couple of months. It will literally, when they open on Thursday, it will have been two months to the day that they were closed due to the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Jeff Lusk, the executive director of the Hatfield-McCoy Trails, who is a, uh, and the trails, of course, are a, uh, are the name sponsor of our program, the presenting sponsor of West Virginia Outdoors. So we're very excited to have them back in business. And I know a lot of people in southern West Virginia are glad to see that starting as well. So we'll talk to Jeff about what they have had to do to get ready for uh, for the restart because obviously they've not been working. So for two months, you can imagine what's happened out there on those trails. Trees fall. Uh, there's been a lot of rain. Things wash. I mean, you know, they've pro- they've had to do a lot of maintenance, and they've not got a lot of time to do it to get them ready. So, we'll talk to Jeff about that. But I know it's been all hands on deck to get that done, and also about what kind of precautions they're going to take to prepare for, uh, for you know, you know, the changes and the recommendations from the CDC about the potential spread and social distancing and mask wearing and so forth. There were some definite parameters that were put out when Governor Justice issued the. Uh, 
the okay, the green light to restart operations there. He also gave the green light, and this actually started Friday for uh, guided fishing trips to restart. So if you had a fishing reservation, you can now, uh, with uh, with one of the uh, outfitters in West Virginia, you can now uh, get in touch with them. It's probably still back on as long as it wasn't canceled or delayed. And uh, it really hurt them because it's right in the right in the uh, heart of the fishing season. So uh, we'll uh, we'll hear a little bit about that coming up over the course of the next hour as well, and then uh, a little bit later on. Uh, I, I got this story this week. It happened in 2018, but you know what? A good story is a good story forever. A guy named Aaron Fry from Logan County. I got in touch with him. He killed a monster buck, and I know how you all all love to hear about monster buck stories, even if we are at the end of May. And we'll uh, we'll let Aaron tell the story about that buck he killed in 2018, which was a slunger, let me tell you. And then if we have time a little bit later on, where are we three years after they removed all those old dams on the West Fork River? How has the fishing been there, and how has that impacted Fishing on the West Fork. Dave Wellman is the fish biologist for that district of West Virginia. Had a chance to talk to him about that recently. And if we've got time, I'll get that in as well. So that's what's on the show today. A uh, couple of notes. I am aware, we are aware here at uh, at the Radio Ranch that uh, the website, wmetronews.com, is down this morning. But they are working on it, and they're trying to get that repaired. So hopefully that will be back up very soon. And a lot of these stories that we're talking about this morning will have Information about them on the outdoors page at wvmetronews.com. So that uh, we are aware and we are working on that. So bear with us. We apologize, but we will uh, endeavor to get that thing back up as quickly as we can. Uh, also, uh, a sad note this morning, and I found out about this when I walked into the radio station this morning, and a longtime pioneer of bass fishing in West Virginia, uh, we've lost him. Bob Burgess died on Friday, and um, many of you that uh, fish tournaments, fish bass tournaments in West Virginia, probably knew Bob and probably knew him well. He was an accomplished bass angler, a member of the uh, Bass Federation and the uh, Bass Federation Nation, the two largest fishing organizations uh, in the state for bass fishing tournaments, and he actually founded the third the other large one, there are three of them, and he founded the third one, the Trail of Dreams, and it's arguably the biggest because, although based here in Charleston, he had taken it to multiple states and was always making it bigger and better every year. And a lot of a lot of anglers really like to fish his tournaments because of, well, several reasons. One, they were well run. Two, they took care of the fish. There were big payouts, and uh, they took care of the fishermen. So, uh, but Bob Burgess died suddenly on Friday and unexpectedly. So uh, our our condolences to his family and, frankly, to the entire fishing community. The man was a friend of mine as well and had, has been on this show many times over the last 25, 30 years that we have done this program and was always just very gracious to help us out with whatever we needed. He he hired me a couple of times to work as an MC for some of his larger tournaments that he really wanted to make a big deal out of the fishermen, and that was what I was saying. He always wanted the tournaments to uh, – to be about the fishermen and to, uh, to to make bass fishing itself a big deal. So uh, many many thanks to Bob for his uh, for what he did for bass fishing and what he did for this show, and we're sure going to miss him. Uh, funeral arrangements are incomplete, so we will uh, we will await those. But I'll have uh, I'll have a write up about him on the outdoors page at wbmetronews.com 
when we get uh, things squared away there. So condolences to the family of Bob Burgess today. Uh, lost him at the age of 71 on Friday. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, Jeff Lusk, the executive director of the Hatfield-McCoy Trail, will join us right after this. Tired of hanging around the house, itching for adventure? Then escape to the Hatfield-McCoy Trails. That's right, the trails are reopening, and while trailhead facilities will remain closed for now, over 700 miles of high-octane adventure is waiting for you beginning Thursday, May 21st. West Virginia annual resident permits are only $26.50, so get your tickets to ATV Paradise online at trailsheaven.com or see a Hatfield-McCoy retailer and escape to the best trails in the USA. In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the Mountain State. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. To protect everyone's health, we've been washing our hands frequently, social distancing, and staying home. But the game isn't over, so don't stop now. And if you chose to delay a critical procedure or surgery until after the pandemic, it's finally time to get back in the game. Rest assured, the same heroic WVU medicine team that is getting us through the pandemic will provide you with world-class care and help get your life back to normal. Call 855-WVU-CARE. I've always wanted to learn another language, but every time I try, it never sticks. So I decided to give Babbel a try, and I really like the teaching method of the app. I started with the beginner lesson on Babbel, and it starts with simple words and phrases. And soon, you're putting those words into a conversation. Each lesson takes about 10 to 15 minutes, and they're all really different, which keeps things interesting. The app is really smart. It actually keeps track of the words I'm struggling with so I can practice them and get better. I chose Babbel because it was created by real language teachers. They built it around real life how people actually communicate, and what they care about. I can't wait to use my new language skills in the real world. Dos cervezas, por favor. <laughs> With Babbel, get conversational in Spanish, French, German, and more. It just takes 10 to 15 minutes a day. Now try Babbel free. Just go to Babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com, B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Attention ladies who love new country music. It's my favorite. All right. You guys who love it too. I love it. Check out the Bobby Bones Show. Weekday morning 6 to 10 on our sister station, New Country, 107.3 KAZ. This ain't your grandpa's country. Hey, this is Dan and Shay. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Low Cash. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Thomas Shrew. Hi, I'm Carrie Underwood. It's the Bobby Bones Show on New Country, 107.3 KAZ. West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence, Saturday at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 5 p.m. Presented by the Peyton Law Firm, Harvey and Tom, protecting your rights online at PeytonLawFirm.com. We welcome you back to West Virginia Outdoors. Chris Lawrence with you on this Saturday morning. And, of course, our show is presented every Saturday by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails in southern West Virginia, which got great news this week from Governor Jim Justice. I've gotten an awful lot of feedback from a lot of different people, from from our tourism people to our medical experts to 
to people in other states, and, and, and we've weighed a lot of different factors. We know how important the Hatfields and McCoys trails are to us economically in the southern end of the state. The biggest thing that I think we can do is just this, is I think it is an outdoor activity. I am absolutely aware of the fact that people from out of state come here and enjoy those trails and everything, and uh, as well as our, our, our people within our state. And, uh, and I am recommending that, uh, or are going to move now, that we open the trails on Thursday May the 21st before Memorial Day weekend. And uh, today is a part of my West Virginia Strong, the comeback reopening plan. I am announcing that. And, um, but, you know, there's going to be limitations and we're going to enforce the limitations as best we possibly can. The executive director of the Hatfield-McCoy Trails, Jeff Lust, joins me on the show this morning. Jeff, that had to excite you to hear the governor say that last week. Oh, good morning, Chris, and, and absolutely it did. Uh, we were shut down on uh, March 20th, as were a lot of the states, you know, in response to the COVID crisis, and certainly our state's done an amazing job of managing the crisis, and I think the governor's doing an excellent job of reopening it, and I, and I can't say that there weren't a great deal of cheers coming up from southern <laughs> West Virginia when we got the announcement. Uh, our folks have been really good and complying with, with the rules to stay closed, but uh I think they're going to be really doubling down on getting open next weekend, and and that holiday weekend is huge for us, and it's kind of the kickoff to our summer riding season. So to say it couldn't happen at a better time, that's a true statement. You know, and I don't think we – well, I I realize, but I don't think the general public realize just how many private entrepreneurs have invested – and 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 sunk their own money into a business down there that literally depends on this trail, uh, which which is why this whole thing was formed to begin with was to create a an economic engine down there, and I think that's a testament to how well that has worked. But certainly those people are were really hurting and and will probably still be hurting and, until they can get this thing you know restarted. So hopefully a lot of people will show up and start spending money again. Uh, you know, most of the lodging providers I, I talk to are, are booked out for the holiday weekend. And in fact, I haven't talked to any that, that aren't completely booked out. But, you know, you talked about the economic development aspect of what we do. And, and people don't realize, you know, that the Hapton-McCoy Trail System, it's, it's an engine for entrepreneurship. We've got over 60 lodging providers that have opened up since we opened whose sole purpose is just to provide you know, lodging for trail riders. They don't really accommodate very many other people other than just trail riders. So there's there's 60 businesses down there that, that we provide them their customers. So so those businesses have been hurting, and, you know, they're really ready to get their doors open and, and start making money again. Obviously, for the trail itself, you guys charge a fee for a permit for everybody that rides on this, and that's a one-time – I mean, you buy it once, and you got it for the whole year. So – Chances are, if they, if they came once, you're you're probably going to be able to recoup the losses for the trail itself. You'll probably recoup a lot of that, won't you? Uh, we we're really hoping we can. We sell forty five percent of our permits from uh, March first till May thirty first. So that ninety day stretch is a, is a huge stretch for us. People sort of uh, get, getting out and getting out for the morning and going. So you know, getting out for the for the year and getting riding. So for us, that's a big time. How much is trail permit? 
uh, a resident permit is fifty dollars, and a non-resident permit is uh, twenty-six fifty. And and you know we're looking this year to sell about two point three million dollars worth of permits, and probably about fifty-six thousand riders coming to visit us. I think you got that backwards. The the cheaper ones for in-state folks, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a resident permits twenty. I'm sorry. Resident permits twenty-six fifty, and a non-resident fifty dollars. Yeah. Oh gosh. Don't yeah. Don't tell everyone we're raising prices on our residents. <laughs> try to make it a little cheaper on our residents uh, that uh, live here. I was going to say that's not quite the business model that I thought would work for West Virginia. What obviously, when when the trails were shut down, that meant that your people were not working, so they weren't out there maintaining the trails. And uh, you know, two months of spring rain in southern West Virginia, things can change out there pretty quick. I know that your people have been out there inspecting each trail and doing the maintenance. What kind of things have you run into? Yeah, we, we had 51 days of deferred maintenance where we didn't have folks out, and, and terrible as it was, we had three windstorms during that period of time. But our inventory is coming back pretty good. They've been out cutting trees out. We've got nine heavy equipment crews with dozers out there clearing the trails. So they're doing a great job. They're, they're going to be ready um, Thursday the 21st for riders. Uh, and the trails were surprisingly clear. Um, you know, even though we did have the three windstorms, uh, we've been able to get most of the trees out of the way, and we were probably about 80% clear as of yesterday, and we'll definitely be ready to go on the 21st. Financially, I know you still have obligations to meet there because you all pay the salary of the of the maintenance crews. You play. You pay the salary of the of the of the uh, natural resources police who patrol the trail. How is your budget looking at this point? Well, right now, I was, I was actually looking Friday. We're probably down about a half million dollars right now. Uh, we do keep cash reserves, but we're, we're hoping, as you said, if those riders will just come, at least for the authority, if they'll just come this year, we should be able to recover most of that money. But, you know, it, it was a hit to us. As I said, we, we were planning on bringing in probably a million dollars in permit sales from, from March 1 till till May 31st. Uh, looks like we'll probably bring in about half of that much money uh, due to this shutdown. But Hopefully the riders will still come and um, you know make it here sometime this year. And if they do, that'll really help shore up our budget. And we'll, we'll probably look to the state as a lot of folks do once once the CARES Act's done to try to recover. But yeah, we're we we took a hard hit, and uh, but it was it was necessary, and as did a lot of businesses in the state. But I just can't brag on the state enough. They did a great job of managing this crisis, and I think that's the reason we're getting to open up here on the twenty first because they did do such a really good job in managing this crisis. The governor in that clip I played there, I, I cut him off before he went into the details of what the special parameters are that allow you to reopen. There's a lot of uh, guidelines that have been issued that trail riders are going to have to follow. They involve wearing a mask even when you're not riding, and I, and I don't mean you know the normal masks you need to wear while you're riding. I mean, even once you've stopped, you have to wear a mask. Uh, and there's uh, there's social distancing, obviously, and uh, and and some. It sounds a lot like there's going to be self policing, but he, as he said, you're going to try to enforce these as best you can. Talk a little bit about those precautions and those recommendations and guidelines, and and what is going to be enforced, and how will it be done? Uh, you know, the, so the governor gave us three sets of guidelines. Uh, the, the first being for riders, uh, where you know, to, you know, ask the riders, you know, stay with your own group. When you go into our towns, you know, respect the fact that you need to have a mask. When you go into businesses, uh, certainly don't interact with other groups on the on the trails. And, and I think, you know, actually practice social distancing at all times, unless it's folks you came with. 
uh, he gave another set of guidelines to our lodging providers on, you know, cleaning and, and providing some of this protective equipment to their riders. So if they come in, he recommends that the lodging providers have masks available. So if the riders come in, they don't have a mask, they can provide them to them. And then he gave us a lot of guidelines on our employees, you know, uh, not doubling up in machines, not interacting with, with riders. If our employees uh, have to get fuel or, or conduct commerce, they're to wear masks. And, you know, just, just with us, we issued you know, cleaning wipes, hand sanitizers, uh, protective masks to our employees. Um, so it's 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 guidelines that I think it's not much different than what all of us West Virginians have been asked to follow. I know there were some additional ones for the lodging providers with regards to cleaning, and we are really hoping our riders uh, follow, follow these guidelines. Uh, we're certainly going to be out there making sure they do as best we can. We're, we're hoping that our natural resource police officers are doing the same, and and I think the businesses also, you know, have an obligation to, to stress with our riders that, that getting to reopen was a, was a privilege. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to abuse that privilege by not following the rules. Well, and you could all, you know, if, and if there is a, an outbreak or something, they, the governor said he'll shut it right back down. So, uh, Absolutely. It was, it was a privilege to get to reopen, and I think there's a – Certain certain responsibility that's on all of us to, to follow the rules, and, and I'm ho- and I really believe our lodging providers will follow it. I, I know my Hatfield staff will follow it, and uh, I think our riders uh, they enjoy this sport, they appreciate getting to come to West Virginia and do this sport. And I think we're going to find very good compliance with our visitors. It's it's funny that you talked about you know hand sanitizer and wipes for a, a sport that is the, for an activity that is literally made. To get dirty, <laughs> and, and I, I laugh with my son too. My son, my son's an underground coal miner, and he told me, "I said, what have you guys been doing?" He goes, "Well, every day I go in and I, I wipe off the controls on my machine underground, the filthiest environment you could be in." But he's in there with Clorox wipes, wiping down the machine. We live in weird times. Yeah, we do. And yesterday, I was trying to help my lodging providers find Hanessa sanitizer and i ended up with a with a mine machine supply company and man that said oh i buy it by the 50 gallon drum <laughs> put it in gallon jugs so tell your logic providers i've got all they want so uh you know if I, I didn't even want to get into why in the world the mines need ga- uh, gallons of hand sanitizer at a time <laughs> well i mean like i said my son has to use it <laughs> constantly and he's <laughs> cleanest hands in the filthiest environment that you could work in it, so it is but we <laughs> You know, uh, but we issued all those things out to our, our people too. But our, our, our lodging providers, I was tickled. They were calling me to ask where they can find this stuff. It, it shows the seriousness that they're taking the orders and they're, they're trying to get the supplies into their business to make sure they can comply. So you say that, that that they tell you though that they are pretty much booked up. I've talked to some of the fishing guides because they restarted yesterday. A lot of them are booked up. I, I was a little, I was wondering a little bit about how concerned are people going to be. I mean, people are still a little leery of doing things, but it sounds to me like they're willing to at least give this a try and, and hopefully with precautions and things will just start, you know, getting back to the way they were. You know, we were, we so mentioned how excited we were when the announcement came. And then, of course, uh, when the announcement comes, the next thing is, will, will, will the riders come and, I have one lodging provider uh, in the Gilbert area that said, oh, my gosh, I've had 20 calls since uh, I put it up on my Facebook at 1.30, and this was at 5 o'clock, uh, booking up rooms. And I thought, you know, that's that's what we wanted to hear, that folks were waiting. And, and they do see this as a form of social distancing. When you look at activities, 
you know, our folks are spread out over a quarter million acres uh, out in the wilderness. This is really social distancing. We, we don't put them in confined spaces. We, we don't uh, put them anywhere where they would really have to be around anyone except by choice. So I think, I think that's one of the reasons this has been successful. I think outdoor recreation is going to be the place that people look, whether it's hiking, biking, fishing, trail riding, uh, to, to, to really not be in crowds and, and not be confined in, indoors. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, Jeff, uh, I'm I'm happy that things are restarting down there. We sure appreciate the support that you give us here on the show. And uh, maybe once things get back to normal a little bit, we'll come down there. We'll actually do the show live from one of the trails down there and one of your vendors, and we'll just uh, we'll talk about how big of a time it is and dedicate the whole show to it. Well, I really appreciate that, and we'd love to have you down. And for for West Virginia residents, uh, with that twenty six dollar and fifty cent permit, not the fifty dollar one, we'd love love for our West Virginia residents to get down and and join us here. And Chris, thank you so much. Uh, we we appreciate your partnership. Sure thing, buddy. Jeff Lusk, we'll see you, man. That's Jeff Lusk, the executive director of the Hatfield-McCoy Trail in southern West Virginia. we got to take a break. When we come back, more to talk about here on the show right after this. I feel like I was born to be an engineer, to build things. My earliest memories are creating all sorts of bridges and buildings with my Legos. And that carried on through school and science projects, through community service, and then my engineering degree. I worked hard for it, and I want to keep working hard to grow my expertise and become the engineer and leader I know I can be. That's why I'm working for CEC, Civil and Environmental Consultants. With their DMML career path, I'm learning how to direct serious projects with mentors who are the top in their fields. The personal guidance and opportunity blows me away. And it's making my dreams come true. More than a job. Career development to help you become the leader you want to be. And sharing company success through profit sharing, bonuses, and advancement. Join CEC to build West Virginia's future and yours. Find your path today at wearecec.com. CEC. Big firm capabilities, small firm culture. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Walker Chevrolet in Nitro knows that buying a new car, truck, or SUV doesn't have to be a stressful experience. You should be comfortable. The deal should be built on trust, and that's just the way the deals are done at Walker. You know that Gene and Ryan will go to the limit to earn your business, not with gimmicks or games, just honest, fair deals on your next vehicle. Right now, the lot at Walker is packed with new and pre-owned Chevys just like the one you've been dreaming of. There's brand new Cruises, Malibus, and Impalas, Traverse, Tahoe, and Suburban, Colorado, Silverado, and the all-new redesigned Chevy Blazer. No matter what kind of vehicle you need, Walker Chevrolet is sure to have what you're looking for. And after you get your new ride, Walker Chevrolet is standing by with a top-notch service department, always ready to keep your car in peak working order. So before you buy a car anywhere else, be sure to visit Gene and Ryan at Walker Chevrolet, just off the Nitro exit of I-64 in the shadow of the Interstate Bridge. Walker Chevrolet, making friends one deal at a time. Traveling today isn't as simple as it used to be. Take notes, Saturday afternoons at 1 with Rudy Max's World with the Carries. This contemporary and fast-paced travel advice show will provide you with the tips and tricks to travel like a pro. Prepare yourself with America's top travel radio show for relevant travel news and straightforward trip planning advice. America's number one travel radio show, Rudy Max's World, Saturday afternoons at 1 on The Voice of Charleston, 104.5, 96.5, and 580 WCHS. 
It can be difficult staying up to date with current events when every day brings something new. ABC Radio brings the top stories from around the globe to you. In the 30-minute headline show, World News This Week, join Chuck Severstein and the award-winning ABC Radio News team Sunday nights at 9.06 for a review of the week's top news stories from home and abroad. It's ABC World News This Week, Sunday evenings at 9.06 on the Voice of Charleston, 104.5, 96.5, and 580 WCHS. It's a West Virginia institution. Talk line with Hoppy Kerchival. Weekday mornings at 10 on The Voice of Charleston. 104.5, 96.5, and 580 WCHS. I want to go fishing. Well, of course you do. We all want to go fishing. And uh, like we heard from Jeff Lusk there a moment ago, as excited as they were to hear that the Hatfield-McCoy Trails can reopen on Thursday, fishing guides around West Virginia were excited to learn they could go back to work on yesterday, on Friday, which was yesterday. And hopefully they are all booked up and on the water today as well, of course, practicing social distancing and uh, hygiene and so forth to uh, to, to protect what they uh, their livelihood as well. Last weekend on the show, we talked to my buddy uh, Larry Nybert, who's the proprietor of West Virginia Experience, and uh, this week I also got to talk to Sammy Pugh, who's the owner of New River Trophy Outfitters in uh, Sandstone, about uh, what it meant to get back to uh, back to the water. It's definitely impacted our business. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, as summer goes on, things will calm down. We're basically following all the guidelines that are out there. We're, we're cleaning everything, all the equipment. We're, we're trying to get folks to, uh, if they have their own fishing rods and their own, their own gear to bring that and, and just keep it to themselves. Um, but if they do use our gear, you know, we clean everything, uh, Lysol bleach, that kind of thing, clean the boats, um, after every trip and, uh, as far as the the real concern that I see is is with the shuttles and and people being uh, packed into a vehicle, you know, if it's a large group, that kind of thing. Um, so we've we've done a couple things. Um, we'll we'll actually have them take their vehicle to the takeout, and one person will ride back with us. And we have 15 passenger vans, so you know we can put somebody in the back and the drivers up front open the windows and and you know not much concern there i don't think and then we we sanitize the vehicle after every trip you know but being out on the river all day uh you know we're we're nearly six feet apart in the boats anyway and being outside you know there's there's not uh too much concern there uh it's more about being in the vehicles and that kind of thing and uh and of course uh you know we're we're limiting groups to uh just one group we're not i guess mixing and matching you know folks from different areas on, on the same trip so you know if if two people book a day then then that's all we're going to do that day sammy Pugh of new river trophy outfitters uh, he's located there at meta creek below sandstone uh, below the uh, sandstone bridge of i-64 uh, where they're located and like he said they're booked up this weekend so hopefully all of them are and all of them are fishing just I know we're all kind of on edge about everything here and and trying to figure out, you know, what what's the best thing to do and the best way to do it. We're stir crazy, wanting to get out and do something. Uh, there's no better place to social distance than fishing and the outdoors, which is what I've said from the day we, we heard the term social distancing. It's got to be smart. Use your head. Use common sense. Uh, you know, keep your distance from people, hand sanitizer, wash everything up, and just be careful. 
and uh, be mindful of all the guidelines that have been passed along. And hopefully everything will turn out okay, but we've got to restart uh, these sorts of things because these are a livelihood for a lot of people. For for some of us, it's a pastime, but for many, it's a livelihood, particularly those who have invested money in you know, guide services or or lodging on the Hatfield-McCoy. That's that's the real important thing, and that's a huge chunk of the West Virginia economy. All right, shifting gears now. I, everybody loves a good deer story, and I had an opportunity to run into a guy named Aaron Fry, who's from Logan, and he was telling me about a big buck he killed back in 2018, and it had quite a story attached to it. So I said, heck, I'm going to call you and tell you the, and get you to tell me that story. He said, fine. So I called him, and here's what we talked about. Hey, Brolin here. Aaron, I know it, you've had this buck for a couple of years, but, you know, a good story never goes out of style. And even then, we're, in here, we're, we're sitting here in the middle of, uh, of May. But tell me a little bit about this particular buck. How big was he, and how long did you hunt him? He was 177 and 7 eighths inch uh, gross and netted uh, 171 even uh, as a non-typical. Uh, he has 17 scoreable points. Um, but what makes him so unique is um, he's actually only 135 inch 8 point as a mainframe 8 point, but he has 42 and 5 eighths inch non-typical points, which includes uh, four drop times. Four drop times. Have you ever had you ever even seen anything like that? Let alone killed something like that. Uh, I killed a drop time buck in 2012, but it was nothing, nothing at all like this guy. He's he, he he's really unique. He's still got uh, dried velvet all over him. Uh, he rubbed a lot of his velvet off early in 2018, and once he rubbed off what he wanted to get off, he just quit. And the velvet that's on him uh, is dried up. It's like leather. There's no way you could even pull it off. So it makes it a really unique, uh, cool mount. When did you find? When did you first see this guy? And I'm I'm sure you watched him for several years. But when did you first have contact with this buck and decide he was the one you wanted? Well, he showed up, uh, Chris. He showed up late in uh, 2015. I had already tagged out that year, and I had one single picture of the deer. He just passed through. Uh, you know, I run cameras all season long, and caught a, just a glimpse of him, one picture, and <clears throat> didn't really think a whole lot about it. Thought, you know, he only had one drop time that year. Oh man, that's a good buck, but you know, I never saw any more pictures of him in 15. Uh, he showed back up in 16, 2016 with double drops and, uh, with a split on one side. Uh, and I hunted him really hard in 16, played cat and mouse, never actually seen the deer in 16. And, but I hunted him all year and ended up eating tag soup over him. I ended up not killing a deer because I was holding out for him all season, hunted hard with no luck. So in 17, he shows back up with double drops again, just two really good drops in 17, and had a lot of pictures of him throughout the summer, watched him develop in velvet, uh, and about a month and a half, two months before season, came in, he disappears. But we had a really bad uh, out of EHD uh, around our property, so I was assuming that I had lost the deer. I hadn't seen him in two months, season came in, and I had an opportunity to take a 157 inch uh, 10 point off the same property uh, the second day of season. So I took him because I thought the the drop time buck was was gone. Well, lo and behold, about two weeks after I uh, shot the 10 point, he shows back up. So needless to say, I had a really long sleepless season of worrying uh, about somebody else maybe possibly killing the deer. And uh, but luckily, to my to my luck and lots of prayer, 
Um, he survived the 17 season, and I got a chance to hunt him at 18. And that's where the real, the story really uh, kicks off pretty good. Yeah, uh, what what 18. once once twenty eighteen's uh, bow season showed up, you knew he was still there. I mean, at what point did you decide that you had a shot at him in eighteen? Well, that's that's kind of where the story gets funny. Uh, I was getting I always got a lot of pictures of this deer, but they were mostly nighttime pictures, and just never could get him patterned in the daytime. Uh, but like I said, tons of nighttime pictures. And he, uh, two weeks before season come in at 18, my best friend convinced me to put in a uh, water hole. And I put in that uh, put in that water hole and started getting daytime pictures of him. Uh, every uh, every fourth day, I would get a daytime picture of him. So season came in on Saturday. I hunted all day Saturday and didn't see him. Uh, hunted Sunday morning before going to church, and then ended up not going to church Sunday evening. And had an encounter with the buck. First time I'd ever actually seen the deer in, in person. Uh, he came in, uh, gave me a broadside shot at 35 yards, and he j- actually jumped the string. Um, and I just barely nicked him across the back. And I thought, you know, that's my opportunity to buck this old, you know, seven and a half year old deer. And I thought, you know, I blew it. So, uh, with the encouragement of my best friend, another one of my buddies that I work with, and my wife to stay in there, <clears throat> I. I, I stayed in there. I hunted Monday and Tuesday with no luck. Didn't hunt Wednesday after work because I had church. So Thursday, I was kind of looking at my patterns, and I keep everything in a notebook of pictures. And, you know, the fourth day, I told my wife, I said, hey, today, he, if, if he stays on pattern like he has been for the for the last couple of weeks, he'll, he'll make a show again this Thursday. So this will be really be able to tell if I have spooked this deer or not. So I, I called my boss and I took off a half a day on Thursday and I get home and luckily it's only about a 10 minute side by side ride up to where I hunt at. So I get in up, head up on the mountain. I, I walk into my stand at about, about one thirty, two o'clock and I lay my bow down at the bottom of my tree and there's a little hump in front of my tree stand that I got to kind of look down over the bank to where the water hole is. And I lay my bow down and I step up on this hump of dirt. And there he stands at 30 yards broadside looking the eyeball to eyeball. And my bow's laying about 10 yards behind me. <laughs> so, so we stare eyeball to eyeball for about 10 or 15 seconds, which probably seemed like 30 minutes to me. He bounds off and, and leaves. And I thought, you know, that was my second chance the good Lord gave me, and I blew it. I, that was just, that was it. I, 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 I'm done. <clears throat> well, I went ahead and stayed and hunted, didn't see him. I called my boss that night and said, hey, I'm going to take off Friday. i seen this deer, and luckily, you know, he's a bow hunter, and he understood and said, all right, no problem. I took a vacation day, and I hunted all day Friday, all day Saturday, uh, Sunday morning again before church, and didn't hunt Sunday evening because of church, and no luck. So Monday rolls around, and I knew it was another fourth day of his pattern. He should make a daylight appearance. And uh, so I... uh, I take off a half a day again on Monday. I go into the stand about 1 o'clock, get set up, and it was absolutely miserable hot. It was 84 degrees. The wind was blowing. It was just horrible conditions. I was sweating, fighting mosquitoes, really hot for October the 8th. But uh, like a long story short, I hadn't seen a deer until about 6.30. I had a, a little six-point and a doe come in. They started picking around. Uh, uh, I hunt in a big oak flat. 
they started picking around in the, those acorns and getting them some drinks of water, and all of a sudden, they just tear off. I mean, just like something spooked them. And I have a lot of bears in the area, so I assumed that there was going to be a bear coming up the hill. And look, and here he came. He came the exact same way he did, the exact same path that he took the Sunday that I missed him. Uh, this time he walked about uh, to about 20, 22 yards, somewhere in that ballpark. I ranged him, you know, just guesstimated. Stopped right in my shooting lane. Uh, dropped his head, started picking acres, and turned his head away from me. Gave me the perfect opportunity to draw. I drew down on him, shot. And he runs off. Runs off to about 40 yards into a little brush thicket. And acts like he's not even hit. Just starts picking again. So at that moment... The, uh, all the doubt starts setting in. Hey, did I miss this deer? And I'm looking. My arrow's laying right there. So I, I just don't really know what to think. He stands there probably five minutes or so, three to five minutes uh, picking. And next thing I know, I start seeing that little tail flicker. And his, his he, he started to fall to the to the right, and he overcorrected to the left, and he just belly up and started kicking right there. And it was just all downhill for me there. I kept it calm, cool, and collected throughout the whole shot <clears throat> process. And I just lost it then. I, I had to grab a hold of the tree to set myself back down into the tree stand. And then I started making phone calls to my wife and my dad and my buddies uh, to give me some help to recovery. That's incredible. So he, he you you literally saw him run off and then stand there for five minutes before he died. That never yeah, happens. It, yeah, and, and it, once I got him, once, once we got him out of the mountains and field dressed him and all that good stuff, I made a perfect shot. I got both lungs and even uh, part of his aorta, and he just acted like he wasn't hit at all. He just stood there and picked, and then just, bam, just fell over. Kind of shows you how tough those things are. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fantastic. Ma'am, I sure do appreciate you sharing that with us. Everybody loves to hear a good buck story. Thanks, Chris. Aaron Fry from Logan County. I just posted a picture of that buck that uh, after he had it mounted at uh, – at my Facebook page if you want to see it. And I'll have a story about that at the outdoors page of WVMatronews.com once we get the uh, the website back up. we got to take another break. Back in a moment after this. Why did I want to work for CEC? You mean besides the fact that they're a leader in the industries they serve, like environmental and civil engineering, air quality, and water resources? Or the fact we're employee-owned, so we share in CEC's success? Well, challenges get me fired up, and CEC's employees pride themselves in finding cool solutions that solve unique problems for our clients. We're always creating, using our expertise to save those clients money and meet their challenges. I've worked on sustainable landscape projects, nature centers, and with the shale, oil, and gas industries, too. Another reason I'm with CEC? I love my West Virginia home, and I'm helping build her future close to my family. Creative solutions that are building West Virginia's future and can build yours close to home. Find your next opportunity with CEC when you go to wearecec.com. CEC, big firm capabilities, small firm culture. We are CEC.com. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. In 1962, President John Kennedy signed a proclamation designating May 15th as Peace Officers Memorial Day, and the entire week is National Police Week. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, many events during Police Week are being canceled. But you can never cancel our deep respect and appreciation for the brave, courageous work of law enforcement and their sacrifices for all of us. To the families of the officers and agents who made the ultimate sacrifice in the line of duty, I offer you my prayers and assure you we shall never forget. 
To the men and women of law enforcement who serve each day, thank you for all you do on behalf of all of us. On behalf of the Department of Justice, Attorney General Barr, and the people of West Virginia, we proudly back the blue, and we have your backs. God bless each and every one of you, and may God protect you as you serve your fellow man. I'm Mike Stewart, United States Attorney for the Southern District of West Virginia, and I'm so proud to stand beside the great men and women of law enforcement. It doesn't matter whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. Sports are always in season on Charleston's ESPN Radio. Charleston's ESPN is the radio home of college football and basketball, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. Champions are made on Charleston's ESPN with the college football playoffs, the World Series, and the NBA Championship. Sports 24 hours a day, powered by the worldwide leader, Charleston's ESPN 106.7 and 1490. Part of the WCHS News Network. Hi, Jim Bohannon here. Join me for the next Bohannon Show, and we'll have all kinds of great stories for you to talk about and think about. Top stories of the day, certainly if it's in the headlines, we'll be covering it. But we also do some fun things, sports, entertainment, you name it. Uh, We might even go back to a topic we had a lot of fun with, should the toilet paper hang over the front or the back of the roll. But whatever we cover, your calls are welcome. We'll see you on the next Bohannon Show here. Weeknights at 10 on The Voice of Charleston, 104.5, 96.5, and 580 WCHA. West Virginia Outdoors brought to you locally by Rodney Loftus and Son Contracting, West Virginia's demolition experts. Welcome back to West Virginia Outdoors. Uh, You'll remember a few years ago, the Clarksburg Water Board, because of the liability, they own three dams on the West Fork River, and they no longer served a real purpose for the water company, but they were posing a great risk and liability to the company, so they decided to pull them out of there. Uh, there was some controversy about that, but it moved forward. They got the dams out of there. So what impact has it had on uh, fishing and floating of the river? Dave Wellman is the fish biologist for that district. I had a chance recently to talk to him a little bit about that. The history of this is the, they, they took these things out a few years ago, and uh, how did that process go, and, and what was the point of it? Uh, the point of it... Uh, from my understanding, was that they were a liability. These dams, there were three dams that were removed. They were a liability for the owners, which was the Clarksburg Water Board. Um, and they had approached some other folks, um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Canadian Valley Institute, as well as uh, American Rivers, were involved in the removal of those dams. And uh, what they had hoped to accomplish was to relieve the Water Board of any liability. Uh, if people were to drown around those dams, which unfortunately there were a couple instances where folks did drown at, at these dams. Uh, so the, the big thing for the owners were that they were wanting to be removed from liability from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, and others. Uh, they were hoping to improve habitat throughout the uh, West Fork River uh, for one, for mussels and obviously for fish. Well, certainly they've gotten them out of there now. It's been a few years since they completed that process. Have you been, and you're the you're the guy who would know because you're in charge of that area. What uh, what has it done for the fishery on the West Fork there? Well, it's, it's changed the habitat. Right now, we've got about a ten year project, monitoring project, following the dam removals. And what we're doing, we're focusing on how the habitat changes over time, and how the fish community changes. And and when we're looking at the fish, we're just not looking at sport fish. We're looking at all fish, whether it's minnows different types of suckers and what have you, 
uh, we're, we're focusing our efforts to see how that fish community changes over time in response to the removal of dams. And what we've seen so far has been a very positive um, reaction to the dam removal in terms of the habitat is going back to a free-flowing river. It has gone back to a free-flowing river. You're seeing riffles where you haven't seen riffles in nearly 100 years. Uh, the sediment is being moved out, so you're, you're getting much more of your uh, hard bottom with your rocky substrate, your, more of your gravel cobble type substrate which is needed for uh, different types of spawners, such as uh, your uh, suckers that uh, create a lot of ha- uh, forage fish for your sport fish, what have you. Last year, when we did our surveys, uh, we don't have the final numbers yet, but the increase in the amount of shiners, minnows, and suckers was incredible uh, from what we had seen the previous couple years. It's just those those fish were able to find the right habitat, started spawning, and, and they successfully spawned. And the number of fish in the river right now is absolutely incredible. Uh, we're, we're seeing, uh, if you're concerned about sport fish, we're seeing uh, flathead catfish reproducing. That was a big concern from anglers that they would disappear. But we're finding that they're reproducing well. Muskie are reproducing in the river now. And... That's a fish that we had to start stocking back in the 1970s because the habitat wasn't suitable for them to successfully spawn on a yearly basis. Now we see that they're spawning. Uh, smallmouth habitat uh, has improved, and we're seeing an increase in smallmouth as well. That's Dave Wellman, fish biologist for that district of West Virginia, talking about the uh, impact of removing those three dams on the West Fork River. So they're going to look at it for 10 years, but a couple of years after that has happened, and it looks uh, definitely like things are taking a turn for the better on the West Fork River. All right, we got to take our final break of the morning. We'll be back to wrap up the today's show right after this. In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the Mountain State. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. Tired of hanging around the house? Itching for adventure? Then escape to the Hatfield-McCoy Trails. That's right, the trails are reopening, and while trailhead facilities will remain closed for now, over 700 miles of high-octane adventure is waiting for you beginning Thursday, May 21st. West Virginia annual resident permits are only $26.50, so get your tickets to ATV Paradise online at trailsheaven.com or see a Hatfield-McCoy retailer and escape to the best trails in the USA. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails, here on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Would you get on an airplane if you knew it had a 50% chance of crashing? You may be riding that plane right now. If you have your money in a 401k or IRA and you plan to take out the recommended percentage each year when you retire, your chance of running out of money is 50%. 50%. But there's a better and safer way to secure your income in retirement. Discover how in a free book called Rescue Your Retirement. This wealth building strategy has never had a losing year in more than a century. In fact, even the man who invented the 401k now prefers this method instead. Get Rescue Your Retirement free for just a small shipping charge and enjoy a safe landing and a comfortable retirement. Get this free book and make sure you don't run out of money. 
Hurry, this offer is extremely limited. To get your free copy, just go to growwealthsafely.com. That's growwealthsafely.com to discover how to rescue your retirement. Growwealthsafely.com. As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives? The question is, what is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 30 states, it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence, Saturday at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 5 p.m. Presented by the Payton Law Firm, Harvey and Tom, protecting your rights online at PaytonLawFirm.com. I'll take down your fishing pole and meet me at the fishing hole. Right, I see you jamming to that in there. <laughs> you didn't know that that song had words, did you? <laughs> Indeed. Have you ever watched Andy Griffith? Surely you have. You haven't watched Andy Griffith? Well, we have to educate you. So <laughs> that was a little before Ryan's time. Uh, but many thanks to Ryan for keeping us on the air this morning. We're just out, uh, just about out of time this morning, but I wanted to reiterate that the, uh, the Hatfield McCoy trails will be reopening, uh, Thursday, as you heard in the spots this morning and from Jeff Lusk earlier today. And, uh, just, uh, we, we can't. We can't just sit in the house for the rest of our lives. We've got to get out and do things, and I know everybody's itching to do that. Just be smart when you do. Follow the guidelines, and uh, if they're required, follow them. Don't fight them, and uh, let's get through this thing, and uh, and hopefully uh, everything will start to get back uh, a little closer to normal. Many thanks to uh, everybody who uh, was listening this morning, and again, we'll work to get the uh, outdoors page at wvmetronews.com repaired here this morning. We'll get somebody... Uh, out of bed and get them working on it how's that sound (laughs) all right uh that's going to do it for this edition of the show y'all have yourself a great weekend and a great week and we'll talk to you next saturday everybody right here in the west virginia outdoors FM Charleston and 104.5 Cross Lanes, West Virginia Radio Corporation Station. It's 8 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Brian Clark. The worldwide search is on for a COVID-19 vaccine. It's picking up speed in the United States. Where the With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 